Welcome to episode six of the MJ Sports Podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm joined by Jonas. And this is your week of sports in review. Sports, 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 sports. And we're back once again, bringing the sports deliciousness to your ears. That's an interesting way to phrase it, but, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm game for it. I like it. <laughs> You know, just trying to be a little bit uh, crazy out there, I guess. I don't know. Well, we've got to drum up a little bit of craziness since uh, since we made people wait a little bit longer this week. That's right. It's a little extra bit of tidbit juiciness <laughs> that you get. <laughs> a, a delicacy. Yes, yes. Well, this podcast is sounding more and more like a food podcast <laughs> well it's uh it's no I, I have nothing related about the only thing i can think of that's related to food is like the the uh like helmet nachos from milwaukee that's right but thirty dollar helmet nachos well worth it though well worth it that's right anyways well Speaking of helmet nachos, let's start off today by talking a little bit about the MLB. Uh, I think every baseball fan, aside from Jonas, cried out in relief that the Astros couldn't complete their comeback. I mean, I I don't know. I, I thought it was going to be rough. Honestly, I didn't think they were even going to have a chance at uh... – you know, getting three to three, I thought maybe two games, but, uh, I mean, they, they kept it close there in game seven, but couldn't do it. They needed that trash can. (laughs) Or Garrett Cole. Well, that, well, yeah, just think if they would have had Verlander pitch two of those games, could have been different if he wasn't hurt. I know. I know. Big difference there because losing Cole and Verlander. That's uh, and I'm not exactly you know I, I know everybody says this every year because Verlander's getting old, but no one sees him doing great, you know, for the following season. But especially coming off of an injury, I'm not sure I'm too confident in uh, in his future as their bona fide ace. Yeah, I mean. You know, this year, whenever I drafted him in uh, fantasy baseball, I was thinking, oh, this will be the year that he gets hurt. And he did. So that was good to see. And usually that signifies the end of the line for some of these older players after I draft them. So, yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I just feel like it's a tough procedure to come back from at his age. So, but. Well, the Astros couldn't complete the comeback, but on the opposite side, the Dodgers did complete their comeback, um, which I think it was wild that we had two comebacks like that anyways. I know. I, um, I was really hoping for the storyline of the Astros versus the Dodgers. They both come back from you know deficits in the series. But, uh, you know, maybe it's just... Atlanta sports is just terrible at holding on to leads. And I just feel uh, really bad for the uh, the Atlanta sports fans right now. 
Yeah, you know, Falcons Falcons get a win, but what did it cost? <laughs> cost them their Braves. It cost them their Braves, and, you know, you're trying to tank for Trevor right now, so why would you even want to win a game? Yeah, but I feel like, you know, when you tank, you, you really don't want to, like, you know, sloppy on-field performance to make it look like your players just aren't trying. And granted, I don't think the players are ever trying to tank. You know, it's more so the, you know, the front office, maybe the coaching staff, but the players are themselves, you know, they're, they're, they're never going to try to tank. I just feel like the Jets have absolutely no talent. So I, even if Atlanta had their players trying to tank, I'm still not sure they would finish out below the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, honestly, yeah. Well, I guess they did just fire, like, Dan Quinn. So it was like, well, I guess we need to get a win here. But. Yeah, I mean, you got to think the players were a little fired up. And part of that, too, is probably, you know, a new coach has, even though he's coming from within the organization, you know, may not put up with some of the things or may not gives some of the leniencies to certain players or certain activities that Dan Quinn did. So as a player, you're trying to earn that respect from your coach all over again. So I, I think that, you know, really probably helped fire them up a little bit. Yeah. Well, before we get too much in the NFL, uh, the, uh, the Dodgers are up six to one right now in game three at the new globe life field in Arlington, Texas, the Rangers' new stadium. And, uh, I mean, Charlie Morton gave up some runs here. And uh, Walker Bueller is looking pretty pretty good in this one. I He had a no-hitter going through four innings. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think? You think the Dodgers will, will end up winning this series? Which, obviously, you said that, I guess, at the beginning of the playoffs. But you still think they're going to win? I mean, <laughs> I picked them. Here's the thing. The Rays offensively have been horrible through this postseason. Like, if you look at their their team batting average, it is not good. So, L.A. is not having that problem. And L.A.'s got their pitching going. So, I mean, granted, you know, the Rays still have plenty of good pitching on their own. They've got that killer bullpen, too, but. I yeah, I still think the Dodgers win this well, one. Wasn't there? I, I think I saw a stat. It was like the Rays haven't lost a playoff game this year if they've scored four runs or more. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, you knew their offense was going to be bad because they have a whole bunch of guys that like are usually average to below average players, and they're all just having like a decent season. So. You're kind of relying on your pitchers, but uh, the Rays pitchers, while they're good, they're not quite uh, Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer from last year. So, yeah, I mean, it's still a young team. You know, Rays, you know, tough part about the Rays is, you know, it's hard to keep good, retain good talent just because of the price it takes to do so, because teams like the Dodgers will come out and uh, pay whatever it takes to 
steal your players away. So, um, you know, you got to hope they can pull it out. I mean, the uh, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but Randy. I think uh, it's like Arez Arena or something. I think it's. Yeah. Yeah. As we'll call him that. Um, he has been incredible this postseason. He didn't play a whole lot. I think he missed 34 games in the regular season or something like that because of a COVID test. Like, so he missed a lot of time, but he has been absolutely incredible in this postseason. So you got to, you know, he's a guy I'm real interested to see a lot more of next year. And, you know, granted, Austin Meadows coming off of an injury, you know, you got to think that he's probably not, you know, feeling 100% still. I mean, they, they, They've got some – they've still got a lot of good pieces there. And, you know, I'm not saying they're completely out of this series, but I still think they have a lot to look forward to in the future as well. I mean, th- this is a bold prediction by me right here, but I think the Rays are going to be your team that has a good season, gets to the World Series. You know, they might end up winning this still. But uh, I don't know. I, I think in a 182-game season, if, if baseball goes back to that this next year, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if they even make the playoffs, to be honest. But See, but they're very crafty. Like, they will, they're, they're similar to Milwaukee in that they shuffle a lot of players, you know, between the minor leagues and the major league camp, you know. Like they they do a lot of roster transactions throughout the year to you know get advantages. So I don't know. I mean the analytic the analytical part of baseball is really interesting to me. You know you've got some teams who embrace it fully, like the Brewers and the Rays are probably the two teams that embrace it the most. You see it in the way they shift. Uh, you see it in the way they play their pitching matchups. I mean, pretty much everything they do is analytical-based. And then maybe you see some other teams that are a little more old-school. Like, I, I, and I don't, know, I don't know if the Cardinals were this way this year, but a year or two ago, they were, I believe, the team that used the least amount of shifting. You know, they kind of more stuck to, you know, classic baseball um, strategy rather than what the analytics have to say. So... I think it's really interesting to see how that plays out. And I, I think that's, you know, that's something you see along the smaller market teams doing a lot more, you know, trying to get every edge they can. So I don't know. I, I know some people get mad and they call it spreadsheet baseball. <laughs> I, I don't remember who it was. Someone, someone said that if the Rays won the world series, it would be, uh, it was a broadcaster, I believe said it would be horrible if the Rays won the World Series for baseball um, because it's spreadsheet baseball, uh, which isn't as fun to watch, which personally I disagree with. I think that just goes back to like your traditional versus, you you know, kind of trying to bring in some newer type of stuff to baseball. And I think some of these like really old school like people are like almost hurting the game just because it's like, like, just for an example, like I saw like an Instagram post the other day. It was like, should baseball stick with this uh, current playoff format or go back to the five team 
and like everyone was like five teams go back to five teams you know losing record shouldn't you shouldn't get in the playoffs with a losing record and all this and I was thinking but why like the Astros just made it were one game away from the World Series with a losing record and it's just I think more playoff teams is more entertaining you got you have more wild things like kind of reminds me of uh, March Madness more but I, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are going forward on, uh, you know, five-team or the eight-team playoff. Personally, I like more teams because it, encur- it it discourages tanking for those kind of, you know, maybe not going to compete for the World Series, but are fringe playoff teams. It prevents them from just throwing away their season. So I, I like that idea. And, I mean, I, I like a lot of the new age kind of ideas. Like, you know, some of the traditions in baseball dog it down. Like, personally, I love seeing the bat flips. I love seeing the fights break out. I like seeing the fired up players. Like, I think it brings a lot of excitement to the game. I know a lot of older school, you know, fans uh, are not a fan of it. But personally, I love it. I think it brings a lot more excitement to the game, and I think it might attract new uh, new viewers a little bit more uh, to the game. I don't agree with some of Rob Manfred's <laughs> ideas to speed up the game. No. Right. We've talked about that before. Very different things, you know. I'm talking more about some of the unwritten stuff that isn't necessarily a rule. Manfred's just out here trying to make it a whole nother game that's three innings long yeah. <laughs> and half the length of the season. So, I mean, I wouldn't even mind if they kept like the 18 playoff and say they did like 142 games if they really wanted to. But I don't know. Yeah. I just think it makes it more interesting. But. Yeah, the thing with the shorter season is people are, aren't going to like it as much because they're going to well player you know players aren't going to be as likely to break records at that rate for pure numbers. Like you're going to run into you know fans and players complaining about that. You know personally, I don't want to see the short season shortened. I'm fine with it the way it is, but I don't feel like there's a I don't feel like shortening the season is going to attract any new fans. No, probably like, not. I, I was just throwing out something if, you know, if people were like, well, the season's already too long. We don't need another round of playoffs. But, I mean, the baseball is the fastest, gets their playoffs done the fastest. I mean, you had one game just about every day for the entirety of the playoffs. So, Yeah. I just think some of these fans are – you just can't please some of these fans. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, you, you really can't. I mean, you get a little bit of this in every sport with some, you know, a difference between how the game is played over time. But I feel like baseball has the worst differences in fans. Just because, you know, because with the NBA, you see it with like, People talking about today how the NBA today, you know, isn't as tough as what it was, you know, back when Jordan played and 
you know, when some of the other legends played, you know, which is fine, but you don't see as many, you know, other complaints about the way the game is played in the NBA now. NFL, I mean, you have similar stuff in the NFL, but the justification for that is player safety and the numbers have backed it up. And I think everybody's in favor of trying to protect NFL players. Um, you know, I, I think they do get some – they do make some mistakes in the NFL with some of the rules they implement. But, you know, at least they're trying to protect players. With the MLB, it's mostly just like I just don't like seeing players celebrate home runs or I I don't like, you know, it's more so like not liking the players' personalities or how they express themselves on the field. And I just like that no, stupid. I, I know. it's. I think it's funny because, like, how much, like, you know, everyday jobs, you know, let's say, like, you know, you like own a business or something and you make a sale or, you know, you know, I don't know if like another like great example or, or like, you know, you're a scientist or something and, you know, you, you run a test and you come across like a great, you know, find or just whatever simple test you run, even in like a college lab, it's like, oh, this, this, this worked, you know, it's like, you do like a little celebratory dance. So I, I don't know why it should be any different for sports. Why they, if you hit a home run, you should, you should be able to, you know, celebrate however you want. Yeah, I agree. Well, I actually, I mean, that's kind of why, why I've taken, you know, over the years, I've kind of become gradually more invested in watching hockey because those hockey players express themselves. And if hockey, you know, I kind of like that the league, just lets players actually get in fights yeah. and let them play out for a while. Like, you know, some of the baseball brawls get really intense. And granted, I know they have equipment like bats and stuff that you don't want, you know, involved there. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's a little entertaining when stuff like that happens. I know it's not great for, you know, setting a great example for younger younger people but you know i think it's i mean like as far as like it's a great example for younger people goes i mean i don't know i feel like for the most part you're not like your kid your eight-year-old kid isn't gonna like if he gets hit by a pitch i don't see the eight-year-old kid ever running up and trying to beat up whoever threw the ball you know like i don't you never really see that in little league it's more of like the parents that are like wanting to fight the other parents or whatever so i don't really see like a ton of like fighting in little league baseball that you know kind of like that stuff it seems more prevalent in like the other like it, it seems like basketball is probably the most uh, like the peop- kids who play basketball are the ones that watch the NBA and kind of try to role model themselves after like LeBron or Curry more so. And maybe that's just because there's so many baseball players, you know, that you could model yourself after that, you know. But well, to be honest, too, I mean. If you're a younger kid, I'm not sure watching baseball captivates you as much 
um, especially with the frequency of games and how long they can be. So I, I think basketball is a little more appealing to younger kids, but, you know, I think over time, over like over time, I've appreciated baseball so much more. Like when I was younger, mostly just enjoyed watching football. And then as I started, you know, getting a little, watching more and more MLB games, I became really invested. Now I pretty much watch every baseball game that's on. So kind of that um, snowball. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it just, and that's where I think, unless you're like a super, which I know, like I'd say that we're probably, you know, more hardcore like fans of baseball and fans of our teams. Um, but like, I, I think like in the kind of a newer age spreadsheet baseball benefits the more casual fans more than, you know, kind of the more hardcore purist originalists or whatever you want to call them. But, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we need to have an originalist, uh, on the podcast to defend that point of view. <laughs> I, mean, I'm well, I think we could probably one. find one too. <laughs> oh man. Well, be a special feature yes, of ours. Yes. Just a debate pod debate sports podcast, maybe on a slower week of sports. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, you know, that's, the MLB is slowly coming to a close, and uh, that's going to leave more and more just NFL talk. And uh, I guess we can get into the NFL uh, for this past week. And I guess we'll start off, or at least I want to start off with the game last night. Uh, I know we both talked about the game a little bit. We both ended up picking the, the Eagles to win that game, so... Uh, you know, it looked questionable there for most of the game. And uh, the Giants collapsed like they usually do against uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles and can just they, they can just never beat us for some reason. And uh, I think they tripped over the Yeah, I think that is pretty appropriate right there. That and Daniel Jones's only uh, inherited ability from Eli Manning was fumbleitis. So, but but the the one thing I kind of want to yeah. focus on because I don't think that game really surprised too many people. I mean, I I figure with seven minutes to go, the Eagles got the ball back at twenty one ten. I was thinking they're still going to win this game. Like I I pretty much had no real thought that the Giants were actually going to win the game. But uh, Doug Peterson, I do not understand what he is doing as far as his coaching decisions. So to kind of uh, lead this off or, you know, set this up, I guess, last week against the Ravens, they scored their first touchdown they scored in that game. They went for two. And... On their two point conversion, they threw like a fade to the to the corner of the end zone. Didn't get it. And then at the end of the game, uh, if they would have just kicked the extra point on that first touchdown, they could have just kicked the extra point there 
and tied the game and send it to overtime. But instead they have to go for two again to tie. And what do they do? They run a Carson Wentz draw play. And then this game gets the Giants. They have a fourth and goal at like the two-yard line. And they run another Carson Wentz draw play. Just And the, then they went for two again after they scored their second touchdown to make it 21-16 last night. And they throw another corner fade on the two-point conversion. I just – I do not understand their play calling. And then they had a play where Jalen Hurts – they put in Jalen Hurts because uh, on the first two-point try, uh, there was like a holding penalty or something weird. And so they got to retry it or something. And they, they, they ran Jalen Hurts with three offensive linemen and then had like three or four people on each side – and just ran some crazy play with Jalen Hurts. I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get these crazy play calls. I forget who we were talking about a couple weeks ago making just weird play calls. But I just don't get some of these coaches anymore, honestly. Oh, it was Sean yeah, Payton. I, I right? agree. Some of his play calling was just wacky. Yeah, it, it's not. It has not been great play calling. And I know during the game they were talking, I don't remember what the numbers were, but um, Doug Peterson has gone for two an absurd amount of times like since he's been the coach of the Eagles. And granted, I get it. Like some of the analytics may tell you in certain situations to go for it, you know, go for two. But I'm not sure I'm doing that after, you know, on the first touchdown of the game, second touchdown of the game, you know. And and I understand it more like the Steelers a couple of years ago when I think Boswell was hurt and they were kind of doing a kicker rotation. They just started going for two every time because they didn't have any faith in their kickers. And I understand that. Like, if you've got a hurt kicker, you might as well go for two every time because a hurt kicker is – not a good kicker. So, um, but I don't know. I, I think some teams are trying to get a little bit too fancy with some of this play calling. And, you know, I do like seeing more teams. There has been more teams that have been going for it on fourth down, which I do like because, you know, I feel like sometimes teams get a little too conservative just trying to punt the ball away, you know, when they're at midfield, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a fourth and two at midfield, why not try to pick it yeah, up? I, yeah. Were, were you going to say anything else there? No, I mean, pretty yeah, much agree with gonna, everything you said. Just add on that. It kind of brings in the XFL conversation of, you know, they had the one, the two and the three point, conversion options that you could choose from and it was like why would you ever go for one like one point be you know why not go for three points every time even though it might be harder to get because all you had to do is get it once out of every three times to end up with you know your original one point versus going for one every time you got to get it all three times and if you're going to go for two 
at all, really, you know, unless you're like behind by 11 or, you know, behind by eight and you have to go for two at near the end of the game. If you're going to go for two, just go for two every time. And then you, I mean, if you get it once out every two times, then you're going to equal, you know, the same amount of points, but you still got to run a good play. And I don't think a quarterback draw with Carson Wentz or a corner fade is are good plays. So there's like two of the worst plays in the whole game, unless you have like Lamar Jackson. But right, no, I I absolutely agree. I think it was the wrong place for the for Carson Wentz uh, for sure. Well, uh, moving on. I mean, that was those were two terrible teams playing. Um, both of our teams ended up putting up <laughs> terrible performances. Too. Um, we could start with the Cowboys because it's a little – the wound's a little fresher. Um, I'll let you talk about it since it's your team, and I'll talk more about oh. my team. I mean, it never feels good to, you know, just destroy your team on a weekly basis, especially whenever you've lost more games than you won. So, you know, I knew – Obviously, I picked the Cardinals, if you listened last week, uh, to beat the Cowboys. And, well, you know, if you watched the game, you know how well that turned out for us. And uh, we let Kenyon Drake rush for 164 yards. We let Kyler Murray run everywhere. Kyler Murray was 9 for 21. So, we really didn't even play too bad of a passing defense. Um, besides like one long bomb where our like third string cornerback just wa- was watching uh Kyler Murray and just let Christian Kirk run right by him, didn't really even make a move or anything. And Kenyon Drake had like six five yard rush, and I mean DeAndre Hopkins only had two two catches, but they were for seventy three yards. So I don't know how. You know, if you would consider that good or consider that bad, but uh, I don't know. The defense, you knew the defense was bad. You knew you knew we were going to give up points. It was more of what is our offense going to do without Dak? Granted, it was Andy Dalton's first game. He didn't look terrible. One of the interceptions should have been a penalty. Uh, I think the bigger thing is something I've been harping on for the last two years is uh, Ezekiel Elliott is an actual piece of trash. He's a dumpster fire. Uh, without a good offensive line, he's basically averaged less than four yards of carry. I mean, I just – this is why you don't sign running backs. There hasn't been a single running back that has gotten paid a lot of money that is still on their original team that paid him. Todd Gurley from the Rams to the Falcons. Le'Veon Bell, he went, left the Steelers. You saw how well that turned out. Todd Gurley's not playing great this year. Um, uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, I guess he is just depressed and likes drinking and driving. Uh, and he sucks this year besides, like, one game, I guess. So, I don't know. Paying running backs – or it's just a very dumb thing to do. Just draft one, get him for five years, and just dump him and let somebody else give him an exorbitant amount of money. That's my spiel on that, I guess. <laughs> you pretty much you you summed it up pretty well. So I'm not, you know, I don't I don't have much to talk about 
regarding the Cowboys game. I guess was, the only thing would be like the Cardinals. You know, you know I know like our defense is bad, but the Cardinals still look good. Re- really, the Cardinals could be like undefeated. They they lost to the Lions. Um, so I mean they could be undefeated honestly, but they look good. Yeah, no, they they look good. Andy Dalton didn't look one hundred percent. We threw a bunch of screens either. and shorter passes, and it was kind of like, why are we doing this? Considering he just threw like two thirty-yard passes to win us the game against the Giants. So just let him, just let him sling the ball. We don't have a good enough offensive line right now. You know, our whole offensive line is hurt and backups. We don't have a good enough line to run it with Zeke every play, especially if he's fumbling. We got to just pass it. We, I mean, we have three good receivers. You just got to pass it. You just got to let Andy Dalton play. Uh-oh. Right. No, I, I absolutely agree. You guys have got to throw the ball down the field. I will say he seemed to uh, really like throwing to uh, Dalton Schultz quite a bit. Um. But, yeah, I mean, you you guys have got Amari Cooper. You've got Michael Gallup. You've got CeeDee Lamb. I, Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore have got to start drawing up plays to encourage Andy to throw the ball down the field because, I mean, that that's where you guys are going to excel. Your receivers can go up and get the ball. They can make big catches. Like, you, you guys are primed to be a big player. Yeah, and, I mean, I offense. saw tons of comments that was like, look where we are without Dak. And I'm thinking we still lose that game with Dak. <laughs> like, our defense is so atrocious. But, I mean, it just – we just didn't have – you know, once – once usually we get down 31 to 3, and then we come back 31-24 maybe – and then we still lose the game. Like, it's just not as bad of a loss and so far. So, I don't know. I think we'll beat Washington this week. But it really – I don't know. It almost would be worthless to win the division, especially if the division winner's like 6-10, and 10, whenever you could have like the eighth draft pick. But – I'll I'll turn it to you and let you yeah. this on the Packers for a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, where do I start? <laughs> Here's the deal: watching the game that first quarter, I felt great. Like we were, we, our offense was moving the ball. Our defense got two stops. Like I was like, oh, this is this looks like any other game we have. And then the pick six happened. <laughs> and that's where everything got out of control. So I guess I'll break this down between the different units. Um, offensively, um, so, so obviously the interceptions, you know, seem to have rattled Rodgers a little bit. I'm not sure if they robbled – if they uh, if they really rattled him as much, I'm just not sure he came into this game as sharp. Personally, um, I know Lafleur and Rogers both mentioned after the game that this was not a good week of practices for them, um, 
and we also got destroyed coming off of our buy last week. So gotta wonder if maybe it's something with the buy a little bit, but um, essentially both of them said that we kind of just needed that after this bad week of practice. It sounded like you know team was getting a little bit too cocky, a little too high and mighty, kind of needed to be knocked down to earth. Um, but yeah, I mean, offensively, Rodgers did not look great at all. Um, granted, we had some drops. Equinemius St. Brown had a couple. I think he had one or two drops. Um, he also had a couple routes that he didn't completely run correctly. Um, and you can see Rodgers was frustrated. Robert Tanyan uh, ended up leaving the game. He's become one of Rodgers' uh, favorite targets. Uh, it didn't really matter, but David Bakhtiari got hurt. Uh, one of the best left tackles, if not the best left tackle in football. Uh, went out with a chest injury. It didn't matter at that point, but, you know, at that point, that was pretty much when they took Rodgers out of the game. Um, and he's probably, from what it sounds like, not going to play this week either, so that's a big loss. Um, play calling on offense. Uh, so throughout the season, the staple of the Packers' offense has been a lot having a lot of pre-snap movement. Uh, we've been running a lot of jet sweep snaps where we have uh, usually three running backs out there. Um, Aaron Jones is out there. Jamal Williams is out there. And a lot of people probably haven't heard of him, but Tyler Irvin, uh, he's our returner and uh, one of our running backs. They usually run him on the jet sweep. Um, he was hurt and he didn't play and it sounded like from what LaFleur said in his post-game interview that really affected their ability to call some of those plays they tried to run Aaron Jones uh, kind of more as that pre-snap movement guy it just seemed like that limited our playbook and he said that it's not good if you have like a portion of your playbook designed around one player so Hopefully they get that figured out. I mean, just offensively atrocious. You got to give credit to Tampa's defense, though. They stopped Aaron Jones. I mean, I think that was probably their goal at the beginning of the game was just trying to limit the run game because if you can limit the run game at the beginning, you know, most teams aren't going to try to force Aaron Rodgers to probably score, um, but that's what they did, and it ended up working for them because they were able to get some turnovers. Um, offensive line also. this I mean, granted, this is the best team the Packers have played, best defense they've play, faced. I mean, you know, this, this knocks them down a little bit. Uh, shifting to defense. Uh, and I was saying this last year, uh, Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, should be fired at the end of the season. Uh, I know the team – has been successful even with him as defensive coordinator, but we also won a Super Bowl with Dom Capers <laughs> as our defensive coordinator. <laughs> Granted, Dom Capers' play calling worked a little bit better back then. Um, his, you know, Dom Capers' famous strategy was um, play super conservative defense and make them run more plays because if they run more plays, they're statistically more <laughs> likely to turn the ball over more. Um, you know, not it. It worked for a couple of years, shockingly. Um, 
not anymore. I, I believe he's actually um, an assistant coach in Minnesota now, which is kind of funny because uh, Minnesota's defense isn't doing great. But, uh, yeah, the defense, oh, man, we just could not generate a pass rush. Um, and we got Kenny Clark back. I mean, it just – it's clear that Petten – we have good players on this defense. Adrian Amos is a good player. Zadarius Smith's a great player. Kenny Clark's a great player. Jair Alexander is one of the best young corners in the game. Like, we have big playmakers on defense, and we have some decent depth. The play calling is just not good. Like, and we we just do not bring, like, we blitz in horrible situations. We don't blitz when we should blitz. I mean, it is just – and if you look at, like – so one of the big things this offseason is Blake Martinez, our former middle linebacker. He's with the Giants now. Uh, we didn't pay him because Blake Martinez over the last couple of years has exclusively been a tackling machine. Granted, we never really rushed him. We didn't try to have him do a whole lot. And he made comments this offseason saying that Mike Pettin essentially wastes the middle linebacker position and pretty much just uses them to be the mop-up guy. So if the running back gets past the line, the, the middle linebackers are supposed to do that. Well, I was kind of like, that's clearly not the case. Well, Blake Martinez is having a phenomenal year in New York. And Christian Kirksey, uh, in his limited time playing, has pretty much looked exactly the same as Blake Martinez did in our uniform. So I'm kind of starting to think that might be a problem, too. So we're not the high and mighty 16-0 team uh, everyone thought we were. However... As a Packers fan, I saw a lot of press talk, you know, freaking out with Packers fans like, oh, we're so horrible. We're not horrible. Like, we're still a good team. We just played a bad game. So I think they're going to come in better. But I think everybody got really excited and overhyped us a little bit because we played some rough. I don't know, Mark. I just want to. I just want to pose some questions for you. Uh, and these are kind of inspired by one of my favorite commentators, uh, Colin Cowherd. Uh, I was listening, listening to him on uh, Monday afternoon, and uh, he was saying that, you know, A, Rodgers has a losing record in his career whenever the Packers – are losing at any point in the game. And he's behind, you know, guys like Mahomes, uh, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson has a pretty good win percentage. Uh, You know, Tom Brady, like Peyton Manning. Obviously, those are some greats, but one of the ones, you know, Tim Tebow had a winning record uh, in games that they trailed at any point. And the second point is – Tom Brady is a baller and Aaron Rodgers is a baler. And what he, I guess, was saying behind that was when the going gets tough, Aaron Rodgers just bails on the team. So uh, I, I ask to you, what do you think of those 
crazy Colin Cowherd propositions right there. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with numbers. Like, you know, I I can't just flat out deny them because they're true. I saw that as well. Like, I know that. I mean, I don't know. Rodgers is still one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Okay. I think that Rodgers sometimes tries to do a little bit too much when we're behind in games. And I think that that he's, he's someone who thinks through things quite a bit. And I think sometimes he gets in his own head and I think it sometimes causes him to force things a little bit. He doesn't usually throw interceptions and turn the ball over. Um, Normally, when we're behind, he just, you know, he might overthrow people or underthrow people. Um, or his biggest tendency is to hold onto the ball sometimes when we're behind in a game because um, he's looking for that deep ball instead of throwing a 10 yard crossing route. He's trying to look for, you know, a 60 yard bomb and he takes a sack because of it. So I can't argue with the numbers, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I'll, I'll still you know, take him. That, the, I mean, it, if we're down. That's what you just said kind of <laughs> reminds me of, of Romo, where except people would call Romo like a choker and, you know, couldn't – even though Romo had like some of the most, you know, kind of during his time had – I think it was like second or third most fourth quarter comebacks in the years that he played. And it's like sometimes you just try to do too much. Because I think both Rodgers and Romo, and I don't know if I necessarily consider Romo to be as good as Rodgers, but both these guys haven't really ever had a great defense. But when they did, you know, kind of when they do, and when Romo did, they were able to be more successful. And obviously Rodgers, you know, more successful than than Romo, as you know, since they won a Super Bowl. But if you give Rodgers like a slim chance on the defensive side, Usually, good things are going to happen for you guys. So, well, and part of that too is prior to Aaron Jones, try to think of good Green Bay running backs. Like, like the last one, like you had, you had Eddie Lacy his uh, his rookie year, and I think his sophomore season he was pretty good too. He, he had some injuries then. <laughs> Then he got fat. <laughs> um, prior to that, uh, oh, yeah, James you've got Starks. James Starks, oh, yeah. um, who never really actually anchored down a huge starting role with us. Um, he was usually more of a complimentary back. Um, you know, James Starks isn't someone you think of as a top 15 back <laughs> in the league, I don't think. Um, you know, before that you had Ryan Grant, um, you know, again, not bad running backs, but really not great. And if you go way back in time, you get a Mon Green, but that's prior to Rodgers. (laughs) So Rodgers really, for most of his career, has not had a running game to rely on like 
especially his first couple of years. Like his first couple of years, like we had Cedric Benson for a year. I mean, he was just horrible. Like, I mean, we had some running backs um, that were averaging like two yards a carry. Like Trent Richardson could have latched on and played for us as a starter for like four years. Like, that's pretty much what we were averaging. I mean, we had some bad running backs for a while. So I think some of those numbers are resulting of that because, you know, you can get up in a game, but if you can't milk clock, you give the other team a chance to get back into the game. So I think some of those numbers may be as a result of that, but there's no excuse now. Um, We've got a great running game. We should have a very balanced offense. I mean, everyone's kind of taking blame for this game. It wasn't one party. It wasn't Rodgers. Just Rodgers' fault. It wasn't just Matt LaFleur's fault. It wasn't just the defense. It was a collective benefit. Well, I guess, uh, I don't know, that's enough Packers talk for me for this week. Um, But I uh, I guess moving on to the (laughs) team the Packers were playing – the Buccaneers, the rich get richer, I guess, even though the Buccaneers still don't look, you know, fantastic. Or, well, I guess they look good, but not like the best team in the NFC or anything. But they get uh, Antonio Brown. And uh, whether that's good news or bad news, I guess we will find out here in the next few weeks. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? It's kind of surprising to me. As far as the personnel goes, obviously I think Brown wanted to play with Brady uh, again, but uh, do the Buccaneers really need him? I mean, well, if I remember correctly, I think in the off season there were talks about this, and I believe Bruce Arians flat out said they didn't want he didn't want Antonio Brown. I, I may be wrong on that, but I believe that there was some sort of pre- there was a press conference where I think it was right after Gronk got signed, and then like people were talking that Brady might want Antonio Brown, and you know I think Arians was like uh, we don't need to bring him in, so I'm a little surprised by it. Granted, I did see that Brown apparently has been doing better about um, keeping quiet, not having his name in the media for something negative. Uh, He hasn't been making stupid declarations. So I've seen that he's been practicing a lot more. I mean, if he's getting serious again, I mean, the guy's very talented wide receiver, but I really don't feel like they need him. Like, I'm not sure he really makes them that much better when you look at what they've already got in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm just not sure. I mean, you can never have too many good wide receivers. You know, I'm sure Rogers would love to have Antonio Brown, but um, I just feel like in their circumstance, they're already loaded at wide receiver. The only thing I saw is that, you know, since Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have kind of been dealing with injuries that, you know, maybe, you know, they they get Brown and they know he's going to be consistently there. Obviously, I think as far as real life goes, 
it's great for them. You know, you get another great receiver. Now they clearly have the best receiving core uh, in the league if they didn't already. But, uh, you know, as far as fantasy goes, it just about kills uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's uh, fantasy value. I mean, they go from being, you know, wide receiver ones to – I would say wide receiver twos, depending on the matchup, but but uh, it's you're not going to see. I don't think you're going to see Antonio Brown move in as an like an every down wide receiver though to start because I mean he's not playing this week because he's got to go through all the protocols. I'm not sure he'd play the next week this. You know, probably has to learn well, the system. I think they a said week bit. nine would be his um, against the Saints would be uh, the first game that he would probably play. Yeah, I'm just I'm not sure he slides in as an as their like an every down wide receiver to start. You know, I think by the end of the year you might be talking more about that, but that's also assuming he just doesn't I go mean, flat out and true, once true. Again. But I, I don't know. So, I just think I think by week twelve, as far as like you know, that's kind of when the fancy baseball or the fancy football playoffs start to kind of roll around. It's just going to be, I don't know. I think it'd be risky to start start Evans or Godwin, especially if they keep dealing with these injuries, but. I guess the other thing, just to mention real fast, is uh, Des Bryant got signed to the Ravens practice squad. So, I mean, as as a Des Bryant fan myself, former, he's the touchdown leader for the Cowboys all time for wide receiver. Um, I don't know. It's good to see him, uh, you know, get another chance, and I hope to see him actually play for the Ravens at some point this year. So. Yeah, no, I, I saw that too. I'm, I mean, you got to cheer for the guy. Hope he can come back. So, I mean, uh, you know, hopefully he no catches the ball this up. time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, moving on to our next uh, next storyline. Uh, Jimmy G was back, and. Uh, 49ers yes, uh, they did. actually and played a good maybe game. Maybe the Rams are just frauds. Uh, maybe they're imposters because their only four wins are against uh, the NFC East. So <laughs> until they beat somebody else, I'm not too convinced that they're really a, a great team. But, you know, give, I guess give credit to the 49ers. You know, Jimmy G, I guess just maybe the Dolphins was uh, – the 49ers wake up call like the Buccaneers are for the Packers, but I mean, I mean, they did say that Jimmy G was still playing on a, a bum ankle that game. So, I mean, granted, I don't think that excuses his, you know, his performance completely during that game, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not gonna, I'm not going to second guess them as hard. 
Yeah. Next I time. mean, with Kyle Shanahan, so. it's kind of hard. Obviously, we were kind of like overreacting a little bit there last week just to overreact. But, yeah, it'll be I, – I still don't know how good of a team they are with how – I mean, how injured their defense is. But, I don't know. If they can keep that offensive production up, I think they'll yeah. be in at least a decent spot. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to talk briefly about a something that happened with the Dolphins um, this week. Uh, unfortunately, um, the Dolphins made the questionable decision to end Fitzmagic early and bench him in favor of Tua. Um, I I've seen a lot of outcry from Dolphins fans, you know kind of wanting to hold on to Fitzpatrick. And, you know, granted, I think the a lot of people, you know, are like, oh, Fitzpatrick kind of fizzles out after like week eight is what everybody says. But, I mean, right now he's playing – I mean, he's not playing fantastic, but he's playing good. Um, you know, Tua – I don't feel like there's any rush to put Tua out on the field. Usually when you see a rookie – you know, who they say is not going to start actually end up starting. It's either due to an injury or a horrible performance through the first couple of weeks. Oh. Um, also known as the Mike Glennon performance. Um, but I, I think it's a real questionable call. I, I personally don't like it. Um, I, I also saw that, you know, apparently – Fitzpatrick didn't find out from the coaches. The locker room didn't find out from the organization. I mean, it just seems like a very poor way to handle this because from what I've heard, Fitzpatrick is one of those guys in a locker room that everybody loves, can really rally the team behind him. So I I, I yeah, personally I don't just, like it. I, I don't quite understand it. I thought the whole thing was – we're going to bench Tua, let him get completely healthy. And maybe he is completely healthy now. Um, but just let him kind of watch Fitzpatrick learn uh, the ins and outs of the offense. I mean, I don't think Brian Flores is going anywhere as coach for a while unless they just all of a sudden become horrible, which doesn't look like it'll happen. Um, I mean, but Fitzmagic 3-3, three and three, I mean, you keep that pace up at eight and eight. It's not like they have an overly difficult schedule. I mean, eight and eight could be the seventh seed in the AFC potentially. You know, they're ahead of the Patriots right now. Uh, I, I just, you know, I just, I don't get it. I don't know if they're trying to compete. If they're I mean, I, I don't think anybody in their right mind is thinking the Dolphins can compete with, you know, the Steelers, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Ravens to win this year. So I just, I don't know. I think it was more of just the shock factor of, you know, especially the shock factor to Fitzpatrick. He was, I think he knew that, you know, at some point two would take over, but I don't think it, he was thinking after I go three and three, you know, it just, I, it is what it is, I guess, for them. 
who knows? You could see a classic Fitz magic here where Tua starts like two games. They decide to put Fitzpatrick back in in the fourth quarter of a game they're losing in, and, you know, they come back and win or something. But, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm not quite sure what they're doing. But who knows? Tua could come in and just be absolutely great and make us all look like fools. So. He could. I mean, he he could be Justin Herbert out there, you know. But I I just feel like it's rushing it a little bit, you know. If if Fitzmagic was playing terrible football, I'd understand this move a little bit more. But that's just not the case right now. So, anyways, let's let's keep it in the division a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned the them, you know, being ahead of the Patriots. Uh, Patriots and ended give, up losing give, uh, to the ben Broncos. Credit, quite an like, uh, from two weeks ago, whenever he picked the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, props to him. I don't know what else to say besides the Patriots. <laughs> oh, I guess the thing I was going to say is uh, that's the Cam Newton I know and love right there. Was that performance? Yeah, that was not a great performance. He he did say that he needs to play a lot better. So I, I'm not going to expect that type of performance every time from the Patriots. You know, you'd like to think that with Belichick at the Holmes, maybe that doesn't become I mean, a pattern. But it's not Belichick. That game was not Belichick's fault. I mean. I mean, they had like a fourth and nine to try to win, you know, going down and tried to win the game. And Cam Newton misses a wide open receiver by like six yards. (laughs) So, I don't know. I think you can't rely on Cam Newton to pass the ball down the field to win. I I don't see them winning very many games that they get behind by 10, 10 points or more. But... I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of Cam Newton as far as his quarterback ability. I think he's a great athlete, but a pure quarterback, no, I've never been a fan of him. Yeah, I mean, he, he's an, definitely an athlete to have back there. You know, he's got that dual threat capability, but, you know, I don't think anyone's really that confident in him being a solid pocket passer. Um, who could consistently make throws down the field. But I don't know. I mean, I I think that division, you know, I mean, between the Bills, the Patriots, and the Dolphins, who knows? Could be – I mean, I I think personally the the Bills have got the advantage there, but – Yeah. I mean, the the Bills have looked great the last two weeks, but – I think they have the advantage, you know, now they kind of have the advantage of having, you know, being the best team in kind of a not great division. But I guess uh, how about those Titans? Yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> Ryan Tannehill looks great. Derrick Henry looks great pulling off that massive run. You know, it's always fun to watch him get those big runs because it looks like he's running in slow motion. Like it look, he looks like a slow running back when you watch him running. But then, you, like you watch these corners and they lose ground on him. Like it's it's strange to watch. It's almost surreal, but it, Titans look good. Like Tana, the offense is really clicking. I mean, no doubt about that. I mean, there there's definitely still a force to be reckoned with. I. I, I think you might be right. Well, they're like, going to have a tough matchup this 16 week. 16-0? But... <laughs> <laughs> right now, I, they almost choked that game against the Texans, to be fair. To be fair to the Texans, you know, it was – man, that the Texans tried to tried to steal that one out from under them, but the Titans had the benefit of getting the ball first in overtime, and I knew it was Deshaun Watson. I don't know if you saw that. He was like, "Oh, you, you know, you've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> Whenever he saw the, the the coin toss, they lost it. So, uh. yeah. Well, I only have one more. Uh, when we talked about the Falcons, or you know, a little bit earlier, getting their first win at the cost of the Braves. <laughs> Uh, just you know, I'm not sure if you have much more you want to cover good. there, really. I, I did see, as far as the the Falcons potentially trading Matt Ryan and Julio Jones at the trade deadline, the only thing is they have massive contracts, so I don't know who would – I don't know. Maybe the Cowboys trade for Matt Ryan. I don't know. That'd, that'd be wild. <laughs> I said I saw that as a trade. No. I, I no, don't feel I don't like that'd so be either. much of a step up from Andy. Brand, like Brandon if you guys were starting someone else, yeah, if you guys were starting Brandon Whedon, that, that'd make a whole lot more sense. But no, that that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I think trading Julio might be more likely, but. Trading a massive I don't know who you would trade him to. Maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers can get Julio uh, finally. You know, but Rodgers always mentioned that his uh, if he could pick any wide receiver in the league to add uh, okay. alongside Devontae, he'd actually Julio. pick DeAndre Hopkins. But I would take it in fantasy. But, but I'm sure he'd settle for Julio. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that would be uh, that would be wild. <laughs> but um, you know, we talked a little bit about potential trades there. There was a trade this week that a trade this week that was a little bit puzzling to me. Um, the Vikings mm-hmm. uh, traded yeah, Yannick like and Gakwe in <laughs> Gakwe. They acquired from Jacksonville um, over the offseason. Uh, he's, he's got five sacks and two forced fumbles in five minutes. And they traded him for two picks, one being conditional, I believe. 
I just don't understand this move personally. Um, I mean, I guess you could maybe think of it as them trying to acquire more picks, but I mean, with his performance so far, I would think you'd want to hold on to him for the future. You know, Daniil Hunter's obviously out for season, um, getting neck surgery, but coming back next year, if you have Nguakwe and uh, Daniil Hunter on your line, that's a, that's a force to reckon there. I just – I don't understand it. Do you, do you think maybe – Maybe the Vikings should try to tank this season. Uh, do you the know Bears and the Packers already taking a substantial lead in the division? No, it, I want to say it was a third. Might might have been a second. Might have been like a, something like a second and a fourth. Um, yeah. Well, while you're pulling that up, let me, let me see if I can pull that up. Yeah, yeah I think they should. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can still out tank the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence, but I mean, it almost feels with how Kirk Cousins has played this year, it feels like you almost got to try. I mean, I, I feel like Trevor Lawrence would be more willing to go to the Vikings. And then I guess if you don't get Lawrence, you could always draft Justin Fields, but. Uh, clearly the thing that's been holding them back the last two years. And I, I mean, I like Kirk cousins as a guy. I think he's really awesome. You know, whenever he said about playing this year, you know, if I die, I die. It was like, you know, is he in Rocky? What, what is going on? Like, um, but uh, he just, he's clearly the thing hold, holding the team back. I mean, Stefan Diggs hated him so much. He traded to Buffalo. So it just, I don't know. It's it's kind of sad to me to see him play so bad this year, but and I know their defense is bad. But ah, good night, nurse. I don't. Yeah, well, at, with that value, it, it was a third round. Why, pick. I don't know why trade him. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me because you know if you get a first round pick, you're kind of thinking like maybe the Dolphins' philosophy from last year, which is trade everyone on our team that's worth any value and they get a whole bunch of first rounders and then now they you know they've been kind of producing they signed byron jones who really who hasn't even played the last couple games because he's been hurt but you know i guess i guess byron jones actually made it somewhat of a difference for the cowboys looking back on it but um i don't know the dolphins yeah, if you're trying to do that dolphin strategy there and kind of the Raider strategy of trading, getting first round picks and using them to get just cheaper versions of the players you just traded away. I mean, it, it works if you actually hit on your draft picks, but a third rounder, man, you better be good at scouting, which I don't know how great the Vikings have been at drafting as of late, but I don't know. Well, and their their GM came out. I believe it was their GM. It might have been team president or another front office member. Did flat out say they were not tanking. So that makes my, you know, it's one thing to trade him, you know. And I think I think there is a conditional fourth or fifth rounder in there, but still, I mean, that's that just still doesn't make sense to me unless you're actively trying to tank. So. 
uh, yeah, I, I it's a puzzling move to me. I mean, I mean, Vikings fans like, have got to be really frustrated there's all right now. On the market this year, and you know, after last year, thinking, well, maybe Kirk Cousins can do something for us, but. Uh, like that game against the 49ers, he just got flat out outplayed uh, in the playoffs last year. So with all the quarterbacks on the market last year and all the quarterbacks that were, you know, good enough to be drafted, it's almost like you almost feel like let down because you're just have such a average quarterback. It's kind of what I thought with like Dak. And I think you kind of get with Carson Wentz even just, and I guess I'll ask you this, uh, considering, you know, I don't know what your response is going to be considering you've had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre for, you know, your entire life of watching the Packers, but would you rather have a, an absolutely horrible quarterback or a quarterback that is so average that it's just, it's just so painfully average? Which of those two options would you rather have? Well, if you have an absolutely horrible quarterback, you're not going to have him for long, hopefully. (laughs) I mean, I guess it depends on the rest of the team. I mean, you can still win games if you have a horribly average quarterback. But you're just never going to win the Super Bowl with that. I don't. I know. You're never going to win the Super Bowl with a terrible quarterback either. Like last year was like, he was just like so painfully average. Like, he's like, it's like you clearly would want him over, like, 16 other quarterbacks. But it's just, like, so, like, oh, if we just had a slightly better quarterback, we could be in such a better play. I don't know. Yeah, just just touch on the Vikings. Um, They should have brought back Teddy Bridgewater. Would have been a smart move for the fans. You know, fans would have loved that move. I mean, you, it would have been a I good mean, move. I think everyone knows why they didn't. But, but anyways, point right is now, up. like retroactively looking, it's like, yeah, I guess they no, should have kept them. Yes. But, well, we should probably get into our picks. So. Um, like we mentioned, we both agreed earlier in the week that we were going to pick the Eagles, um, even though this is being recorded after that game. So um, the next matchup we have is the Steelers and the Titans. This one's going to be a burn burner right here. Should be quite an interesting matchup. Oh, man. You know... There's a part of me that wants to pick the Steelers, but you did pick the Titans to go 16 and 0. And I don't want to lose another game to you because I know you you're probably going to pick another the Titans. Game if the Steelers win. <laughs> I'm going Steelers. I've been picking the Steelers like every almost every week. I think you know it hasn't bit bitten me. Uh, too hard. Their their defense is still phenomenal. And I'm gonna pick offense. The Steelers is getting just it done. I, I got Steelers. 
No, nah, I'm kidding. The Titans are going 16 and 0, baby. Woo-hoo! Oh man. I'm sticking with the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely could, but that, that this one could go either way, in my opinion. This this should be a heck of a game. But um next we've got the Cowboys at Washington. Um, I know I picked the Cowboys last week against uh, Arizona, but I'm going to pick them again because the Washington Even football I'm team pick the Cowboys this week is not Arizona. just because Washington <laughs> is so bad. I don't know how they beat Philadelphia that first game. Oh, yeah. is not good. <laughs> they should start on Smith. Even if Alex Smith yeah, doesn't honestly, play good, right. they should just start Alex Smith. The rest it can't of the be year. any worse than Kyle Allen. Just let him, in an act of good faith, go out, finish the season actually playing. Yeah, honestly, you know, see if he's got anything left in the well, tank. Yeah, Panthers and the uh, the Saints. Next week. Ooh. I'm, I'm going with the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater is coming back, looking for a little bit of revenge against his former team for picking good old Drew, B- yeah. Drew Brees and Jameis Winston. I guess over I'll him. take the free game and so, go with the Saints. You're well, no fun, exactly. Jonas. <laughs> the, the I'm is, the one is making a, all the fun that's picks. That's not here. like a fun pick. That's a valid pick. No, no, no I know, I know. But I, hey, I saw Michael Thomas has a uh, hamstring injury again. So if he doesn't play, well, maybe might be a free win for me. But um. Next, we've got the uh, the fifteen and one Packers going up against the Texans. Um, I just said the Packers' record for the end of the year, so obviously I'm picking the Packers here. I think you're going to see a much more polished game. I'm going to guess they had a very serious practice this week, uh, and they're going to come out with good game plan against the Texans. Man, this is hard because I really want to pick the Texans. <laughs> oh man, this is. Ooh. Man, their defense is so bad, though. Why not? I know. I do have like you've a got seven such game a, lead. You've got such a nice lead over me. And at this you know, point, we're well. probably at nine games. I'll go with the Texans. Why not? Just because Ryan Tannehill is better than Aaron Rodgers right now in this season. Uh, I'm just using what does Ryan Tannehill have to do about this game? (laughs) They're my team for this year. Forget the Cowboys. (laughs) All right, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit confused about how Ryan Tannehill relates to the Texans, but moving on, we've got. 
the Ohio matchup between two historically awful teams, um, teams that we actually have paid interns uh, to cover on our show. Oh, uh, the, the classic the Bengals versus the Bungles. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, I've got to pick the Browns just because I, f- I feel like they have more potential to score points in this game, and I feel like they have a better defense, but. Baker well, Mayfield could is, also go out really there and need Mayfield to do much. Play horrible. Uh, so. Give the ball to Cream Hunt like literally every play, and they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a fair assessment. So you going with the Browns too? Um, next we've got. Another uh, matchup between the Lions and the Falcons. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with the Lions because, uh, you know, Matt Patricia is on a roll right now, and he's trying to stay off the hot seat. So, I'm I got to cheer for Matt Patricia yeah, to stay I'm in Detroit as long Lions. as possible. I so, just think they're I'm going with the slightly better. I mean, they could be. What are they like two and three? I mean, they could be three and two. You know, they're not they're not too bad. I mean, they should have beaten the Bears. So, yeah, I think the Lions are a little bit better than what their record says. And if they didn't choke games so hard, you know. But. Well, yeah. when Kenny Galladay is healthy, uh, that offense is a lot better. So uh, that's that's kind of been the struggle with Holiday is keeping him on the field. But um, next we've got the Buccaneers yeah, so this is and the a Raiders game against two I'm teams. To hear your thoughts on this, that you know, at least myself have kind of flip flopped on if I choose them or not. So it's kind of a hard pick, to be honest. But. Uh, Oh, man. I feel like the Buccaneers are going to be riding high off of that win against the Packers and might be a little bit too cocky. And the Raiders, last time they played, beat the Chiefs, which they might be a little bit cocky off that win. Uh, Oh, my goodness. This is hard. Uh, I'm going with the Buccaneers as much as I want to go with the Raiders. (laughs) Oh. oh, I'm going with the Raiders. They beat the Chiefs, man. I mean, I I don't know. I, I think Derek Carr is going to go out there and know. sling it with uh, <laughs> with his eye black. I, so. I, was, I was about to pick the Raiders this is a before this I remember. This is a total toss-up, in my opinion, but. Because my argument was going to be, well, the Buccaneers beat the Packers. You know, they're they're being too cocky. And then it's like, oh, well, the Raiders just beat the Chiefs. So, I guess that's not really an argument. <laughs> but. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think this is a toss-up just kind of 
kind of like how the Steelers and Titans, either one could pull this one out. Uh, not the same quality teams, though, as the Steelers and Titans, in my opinion. But um, next, we've got the Jaguars, the Chargers. Um, I'm going with the Chargers. Yeah. Because uh, the Jaguars were posers after week one. So, and Justin Herbert. Yeah, I agree. Big Not fan bad. of him. I think so, Jaguars are just bad. Got to pick them. Yeah. Mm, man. Next, we've got the 49ers at the Patriots. You got to see the thing here is you got to. You got to determine which Cam Newton, what, yeah. what Cam Newton is showing up, and know. what Jimmy G is showing up. up. Me as well. So, uh, I'm gonna pick the 49ers here just because I think Cam Newton is garbage. I'm also picking the 49ers. I just, yeah, I, I think Cam Newton's going to struggle against them. I, th- I think New England has a better secondary, but I don't know. For- 49ers after last week, if they can keep that up, they should be able to pull this one out. Um, next, we've got the Chiefs and the uh, Broncos. Do the Broncos upset the know, Chiefs? I hope you pick the Broncos here because it'll be the third time you pick against the Chiefs, and uh, you've you've been wrong on, on the other two picks. So, no wait, didn't you pick? No, the the Patriots versus the Chiefs game uh, got rescheduled, didn't it? Yeah, you've picked the you've picked against the Chiefs three times. Uh, so you know that? No, they played. <laughs> Oh, thank goodness. I'm picking the Chiefs this time though. So I'm I'm no, I like to make wild picks. Maybe I should switch it to the Broncos. This would just be a stupid pick. <laughs> yeah, you're right, I won't. Not after that Washington experiment last week. Do it. You won't. <laughs> um, next we've got the Seahawks at the Cardinals. Uh, I'm going. Got to go with Russ, my man. So I'm going with the Seahawks. Tyler Murray, baby. This game might be like 45 to 42. Uh, Kyler Murray is about to choke. He's going to go through th- four Jamal interceptions the Seahawks to Jamal They're Adams. Pile of garbage. It's. Oh, yeah, well, man. he's going to single-handedly save them this week. That would blow my mind. <laughs> I mean, last time I made a specific player prediction, I wasn't anywhere close. Oh. <laughs> I think Jonathan Taylor to have 173 rushing yards. Um, you know, I think he was on pace for that if they would have just rushed the ball 45 times, but no one ever listens to me. So, um, next we've got the Bears at the Rams. Uh, the Rams, a team who I think underperforms, and a team like the Bears, the Bears who like, the Bears every single almost, one of their wins has been ugly. Overperform, 
while during the game they're underperforming. <laughs> it's like a wild dynamic that they have. I know. Well, it's it's because the defense still plays well, and the offense usually goes out oh, and struggles at the beginning Nick until Cole's the defense like kind of gets the momentum. Yards, one touchdown, so. one interception, and one rushing touchdown for one yard again. <laughs> like, who are you picking? Uh, you know, I pretty much. I think I've picked against the Bears every week, and I'm doing it again. This team surely cannot keep on winning. Like, these are some ugly football games. And I know Nick Foles said that we're okay with winning ugly. Oh. But come on. Like, they cannot keep winning these games. And the Bears don't have a good offensive line. So, I, I don't think that um, bodes very well for them with Aaron Donald. So Just give me Nick Foles. I'm going with the Rams. And that's it. Even if he's plays terrible, <laughs> I'll still take him over Jared Goff at this point. Oh man, how does it feel knowing the Bears are going to be six and one, and two games ahead in the division after this week? <laughs> I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I just—they've got to be one of the worst. <laughs> They're just—I I, uh, I still don't understand. It. It's, it's just hard to believe. Oh man, it's. Uh. <laughs> They're just getting lucky. Like they could very easily have lost every single one of their games. But that's the NFL for you. Oh. Uh. Uh, yeah, that's well. Spent a lot of time on the NFL I guess, today. Uh, you want to mention anything uh, about college football? I know the Big Ten will be coming back this week. Big Ten is back, baby. And with that, Graham Mertz, oh. someone you may not have heard of, is about to be the next Russell Wilson. Really touted prospect coming into Wisconsin as a quarterback. You never really hear that, do you? Highly touted quarterback picks to go to Wisconsin. You know, you're used to running backs. And granted, you're not used to even the running backs being highly touted. So he went out tonight and put up a phenomenal performance against the the Illini Uh, in his first half. He uh, he was 14 for 14 with 190 yards and four touchdowns, uh, which is about as excited as I've been about a running back, a quarterback since uh, since Russell Wilson. So look out for the Man. Badgers. They're going to take down uh, Ohio State, and they're going to win the playoff. I truly hope so, too, because I hate Ohio State. We're switching to We we are switching from being a team that produces running backs and offensive oh, linemen 
to be a team that produces so quarterbacks and wide receivers. Well, that so. means you'll lose at least one game to like Northwestern then. Yeah. We Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oklahoma has Yeah, been, except in our case it'll Kansas probably be like you Rutgers just do that or way. Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Rutgers is a quality program for their athletes. Uh, they weren't too bad for their academics. I mean, <laughs> one year, ten years ago. Yeah, you know, you, you would think that eventually things would change, but nope, they just don't. <laughs> I mean, at least Maryland contributes on the basketball side. Maybe we need to go like. Uh, to my knowledge, doesn't contribute like anything. Something weird like so. women's water polo or something. Uh, they're probably not even good at that. We cover women's college hockey. No offense to the Rutgers women's hockey team. If they, if I, I know they even have a good women's hockey team. We'll, we'll do some scouting into Rutgers athletics and uh, see if we can find maybe uh, surely they if they have, have like any uh, if they've ever produced a Hall of Famer in any sport. <laughs> I mean, you would think so, but I mean, Rutgers uh, I like how this has been into, bad. Uh, Rutgers hate. Um. Um, yeah, they're uh, they're not good. I'm actually just looking at a brief article right now that's the 50 best players and athletes in Rutgers one? history, and currently I haven't heard of any of them. <laughs> Is it one of those like click through articles? Well, I've, it starts at 50, so it's taking me a while. I'm not click through. I'm just trying to look. Uh, number yeah. 35 is Reed Jackson, the lacrosse player. Um, still, still looking. I'm seeing a couple wrestlers on here. Yeah, still none not I've ever heard well of for Rutgers. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Jason Man. and Devin McCoy. No wonder why. Bill Belichick drafted them. Both went to both went to Rutgers. What? Well, they only rank I mean, in I don't at number know if twenty. End up being Hall of Famers. So you know there's got to be but some more quality players. At least we know who they are. <laughs> no, I know. Um. Let's see. One of them's no a women's either. college basketball player, Cappy Pondexter. Um, yeah, I, I don't think she ever played in the WNBA even. So, oh, Todd Frazier. Um, let's see. Number seven, Alex. Man, what Cole, a good representation Lloyd, of right there. Phil Selle- Ray Rice. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and number one, uh, Paul Robeson. For what sport? Apparently he earned 12 varsity letters during his brilliant career at Rutgers. Um, football, it looks like. And when Walter Camp named him an All-American in 1918, he called him the greatest end to ever trod uh, the field. His many achievements in life would trump his athletic <laughs> career, but any discussion about great Rutgers oh, athletes man. begins with Yeah, him. why did Rutgers join the Big Ten again? <laughs> wow, Rip just impressive. But, uh, oh, man. Uh, well, maybe that can go under the sports we don't care about good. section. Uh, you know, and we'll try to fit some more random Rutgers statistics in uh, next week. If we can find if they've ever won like a championship and anything. <laughs> My, and surely, I mean, if they go all the way back. Surely. To Rutgers, that guy yeah. way Maybe back like to a chess tournament or something. Won, like, like, you know, random college football conference A with like four teams in it. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh man but anyway as we progress down these things that we truly do not care about uh, getting back into the tennis world a little bit we have Sasha Zverev the German and Diego Schwartzman both win in the quarterfinals of whatever tournament they're currently playing I don't know what it's called. It's just another tournament in the year, I guess. Um, But they were were the number one and two seeds for this, so I guess nobody really too difficult to have to beat. And then uh, Justin Thomas, I mean, I guess he's one of the, you know, like I've heard of him at least. So he's at least kind of well-known golfer, is currently sitting at 14 under in whatever golf tournament is going on. So, that uh, you've heard of Justin Thomas, right? Yeah, I don't. I didn't recognize any of the other four golfers that were in the top five. Oh, of course, of course. And it didn't even bother showing me the rest of the field, who was even in the field. So, for all I know, there could only be five golfers in this whole tournament. Um, but uh, yeah. I don't know if that's for t- just today's round. I don't know when this tournament started. Because usually they start on Thursdays. But that'd be pretty, you know, two minus sevens. That'd be pretty impressive. But, well, that's it for tennis and golf, I guess. And, you know, good old regular sports. But uh, our favorite sport here on the, the podcast, MLS. Take it away, Mike. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't heard a single lick of news about the MLS. Aside from, and I don't even know if this guy, actually, I don't even think he plays for the MLS. I think he plays for some team over in Europe or something. (laughs) Something about him, like, getting caught with, like, three side chicks or something like that. (laughs) 
And I guess he's like a really good player over there from what I heard. And, um, you know, basically sounded like, you know, one of them, um, <laughs> you know, he got her pregnant and pretty much just flat out told her that he didn't owe her anything. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of from a passing read. I, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it because, well, you know, it's soccer and I care about soccer and the MLS about as much as I cared to even try thinking about what creative statement to come up to express how much I care about. <laughs> so, and as um, you can tell, yeah, I, was I clearly gonna, didn't care to think about that about, at all. Uh, you know, about the MLS about as much yeah. as that guy cares about the, the girl he got pregnant. <laughs> Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, that's a good one. Maybe, maybe I'll save that for next week. Maybe the details will come out or something. But I think that wraps up everything we have for this week, content-wise. So um, this has been episode six of the MJ Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you next week, and uh, as I mentioned in our prior episode, we're working on. Uh, changing how we do things a little bit. So hopefully in the coming weeks, uh, we can deliver to you a little bit higher quality of a podcasting performance. I mean, we already have great content. so Better audio and all that jazz. So (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's true. Our content is impeccable. I mean, honestly. But we should have our own, you know, show on sports center or something but you know <laughs> we're, we're trying not to get tied down right now because we're focusing on changing the world in our own professional careers but um anyway thank you for listening That's right we'll be back next too we're too good